Hey guys, welcome back to the ASAP. Um, if you don't know what that is, just go ahead and go back to the trailer on this podcast stream and you'll hear Landon and I explain that. But this week is um, the synergy from March 11th that David House Connect taught on. He is continuing the series of But Why? And today we have Landon, myself, and Lexis talking after um, you listen to the message. So, um, just go ahead and keep listening to the message. If you've already listened to it, fast forward and Landon, Lexis and I will be there just to talk about what this looks like in our next steps. Hey, uh, it's so good to be with you guys today. Uh, my name's David. I'm the pastor of students here at CSF. If we haven't met, I would love to meet you tonight. Uh, afterwards, if we haven't met, come say hi. I'd love to say, uh, hear more about why you're here. But uh, we are in a series we are calling, But Why? And Brian kicked us off last week with a great message about how God has laid our freedom right in front of us and our great purpose, our big why is to embrace Jesus and the freedom he freely offers us through the cross. Uh, Because in this series, we want to take a moment and talk about your purpose. Like, why do you exist? Why did God put you on this planet? And I mean you in both macro and micro terms. Like, why does CSF exist? Why does this community exist? Why does the church exist? But also, why did God create you? Why did God put you specifically on this earth? Because college is four years or five years for what I'll call the uh, overachievers um, of life-changing decisions and pivotal moments that influence and govern the rest of your life. And a lot of those decisions will be made through this lens, this worldview of why did God create me? Why am I here? Um, So seniors in the room, how are you feeling about to hit graduation? Y'all feeling good so far? Now, seniors, what is the number one question that everyone's asking you right now? What are you doing next? What is happening two months from now? Where are you going? What are you going to achieve with this next season of your life? Um, But perhaps that's the wrong question we should be asking. Uh, Now, when I was back in high school, um, I, I played lots of sports. Basketball was one of them. And a buddy of mine, uh, his family was taking a vacation in North Carolina. And he asked if I wanted to come with him because he uh, was going to a, the basketball camp at, um, I'm sorry to admit, but the University of North Carolina, Tar Heels. Um, and he wanted me to come with. And please don't judge me. Okay, I'm sorry, but I did go. Um, and I, I went to this week-long camp and, and got to know the players and everything. But we, we showed up at, uh, at this camp, and we, we got uh, checked into the dorms. And I'm probably 15, 16 at this time. And there w- was talk around the dorms. Some guys, I, I heard them whispering. I was like, what's going on? And, and some guys were saying that they saw an alum of the University of North Carolina named Michael Jordan dropping off his son at basketball camp. And we're like, whatever, man, there's no way. He's like, no, I saw him. He was going up the stairs. We're like, whatever, there's no way Michael Jordan would drop off his kids at this basketball camp. And I just kind of brushed it aside. And later on, they had us line up to go to the, to the, to the different gyms based on age uh, categories by last name. And so I get into my H line. My last name is House Connect. And so I'm just waiting for them to come through. And they're checking one person off after another. And so they go through the I, or the G's and they get to H and they say, David House Connect. I'm like, yes, I'm here. And there's no I's. And they immediately go to the J's right behind me. And they say, uh, let's see, Jordan, Jeffrey Jordan. And he goes, yep, that's me. And they keep going. And I go, oh, 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 wait a second. And I just turn around and I just kind of like look at him and I'm like, hey, um, you're not, you know. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, 
cool, 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 doing my best, Jake Peralta. Um, but I'm just like freaking out. Just a few of you get that. So I'm just sitting here like, dude, be cool, be cool. Michael Jordan's son is right behind you in line. We're about to get on a bus, and you need to get on a seat with that guy, okay? And so I'm just like, like again, trying to as casually as I can get on this bus and just kind of see like where he's going. And as he's trying to like get in a seat, I go just sliding right next to him. I'm like. What's up, man? So my name's David. Good to meet you. Um, and, uh, and we start talking. He's super friendly. And, and immediately, like, my mind's buzzing because I'm like, Michael Jordan, like, the celebrity star of Space Jam. His son, his project is right here. Um, and I need to talk to him. So, so I'm like, oh, my gosh, man, your dad's Michael Jordan. That's so cool. All this stuff. And I'm just, like, going nuts like I need, like, super fan would. And I immediately see him go from, like, super friendly to, like, ugh, just like, oh, another guy wants to talk about my dad and just shuts down. It's like conversation ended and I was like, oh, that feels weird. And so I just like immediately just felt bad and I changed the subject. I'm like, so you know what else are you into? He's like, he's like, oh man, like I'm actually like way more of a baseball player than basketball. And, he was, and we started talking about baseball because I played baseball too. We just started bonding, not talking about Michael Jordan. So fast forward a little bit. We're at this basketball camp, and on the last day, you get put on, into different teams, and they, uh, they do a big tournament for the different teams who have been at this camp. And we're both, uh, we're both point guards, and so we're on opposite teams, and we've got a game on this, this Friday, and we're getting warmed up for our game. And as we're getting warmed up for the, this game, this door in the corner of the gym opens up. And I swear, the heavens showed their light and their glory as the one and only Michael Jordan walks into this gym that we're about to play in. And it's like every guy in the gym goes, <gasps> like he's right there. And like he's surrounded by this posse of giant dudes. Like you couldn't get near him. And we're just like, oh my gosh, Michael Jordan is about to watch us play basketball. And so everyone's like really jittery, really excited. So we start playing and, and uh, you know, I'm guarding his son. I'm like so excited and we're playing uh, for a while. And finally I, I go up for a layup, I get fouled and they put me on uh, the foul line to shoot a couple free throws. And I'm, I line up and I'm like, yo, this is it. Like, this is where I get discovered. My path to the NBA <laughs> begins right here in this moment. Here we go. And you know what, guys, I Missed both free throws, and now I'm your pastor. So, um, <laughs> thanks. Uh, and you know what? Camp ended that day and, and got to hang out with Jeffrey a little bit more. Did not talk about Michael, just talked uh, to him about Jeffrey. Not the son of Michael, or just Jeffrey and who he was. And I wonder how many of us have, have felt that same tension. This, this desire to be known less for what you might achieve or who you're connected to, but just a desire to be known as you, who you are, independent of all these other factors. Take a moment, think about this question. What is the most important thing to you right now? What's the most important thing to you right now? It could be a what, it could be a who, it could be a why, but the answer to that question right now may have more implications for your future and for your faith than you even realize. So tonight, I want to throw out a statement that for many of you, you might find it hard to swallow, but could actually legitimately change your life in these next four years. And as you think about what comes next after these four years or these next two months for you seniors, remember this. The most important thing about you is not what you will do, but who you will be. The most important thing about you is not what you will do, but who you will be. In other words, the who is greater than the what. Now, I say something like that, and immediately there's a few things happening in this room. You might be reacting 
like this. First, for the other uh, Enneagram threes in the room like me, you're panicking. Because if you're like me, you've thought your whole life that um, what you achieve is who you are. And, and you can't stop moving. You have to keep achieving. You have to prove to the world that, that you're valuable, that I'm valuable. I'm needed. Go, go, go. Well, here's the thing, guys. At some point, we have to stop. We have to slow down. And we need to let the gospel infect our desire to achieve and be known by our achievements. There's another group in this room um, that you're thinking, dude, do you realize how much money I've spent on my education and you're telling me what I do doesn't matter? (laughs) Like, do you know how much people have sacrificed to get me here who supported me so I can get a big job, so I can go home as the the world champion of my field? And I I totally understand that mentality. There's so much pressure from our families, our friends um, to keep chasing the what over the who. And here's the thing, working hard is not a sin. In fact, God designed us with a desire to work and to work uh, well. In fact, Adam and Eve worked the Garden of Eden before sin entered the world. So there is good in work. But when we tip the scales and make the what more important than the who, that's where Jesus enters in. And, and he reminds us of our core identity and, and our purpose. Mark 8, 36, Jesus says, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Now, thirdly, there's, there's another group of people in this room that when I said that statement, you had zero issues with that statement. In fact, you're actually relieved because you've been trying to find a justification for why your grades suck this semester so you can justify all the money you're spending on college. And I get that. Just, I'm just trying to work on me right now, you know, like that mentality. And I hear that. But hold on, because what you do still matters. While the who is more important than the what, the what, that doesn't mean the what doesn't matter at all. In fact, the what matters quite a bit. And God actually does care what you do with your life. So wherever you are in your journey today with faith, with Christianity, with Christ, let's jump back into that scripture that Jake shared because there's so much good in these five verses and I can't wait to break it down. Luke 10, 38 through 42. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Okay, so... Let's talk about these two women in this passage. First, we meet Mary. And Mary does one thing and one thing only. She sits at the feet of Jesus and just soaks it in and listens to everything he says. Um, I love that we just sang that that song, Lean Back, and we can lean back into the loving arms of the Father. And I'm like, what a perfect image of who Mary was. That she just sits there and enjoys the presence of Jesus. Now, it's a simple act, but I think it speaks volumes about how Mary understood her greater purpose in life. That her greater purpose, her big why, was that to be close to Jesus, to be with Jesus, to spend time with Jesus, regardless of what else is happening. Now, Mary, to me, is, Mary's like that friend you go out to lunch with, or that you go out to coffee, and they take their phone, and they flip it upside down, and they push it away. And no matter how many times that thing dings or buzzes with notifications and texts and calls and emails, all the things, they never pick it up. They just are locked in with you. And, and do you know how refreshing that is these days? 
Like, it's so rare to have a friend like that, but I feel like Mary is that person who, who just, man, the most intentional, there's no FOMO, there's just, there's just a, I need to be here with you right now, Jesus, and there's nothing more important than this right here. On the flip side, we've got Martha, sweet Martha, not sitting at Jesus' feet, hard at work in the kitchen, around the house, cleaning, go, go, go. She can't stop moving. And we don't know her motivations. We don't know if she's trying to impress Jesus or impress her friends or if it's just some internal pressure she puts on herself to to knock off her mental to-do list. But either way, she finally just gets exasperated at Mary and cries out to Jesus and says, but why are you allowing Mary to just sit there when there's so much to do? What's the deal, Jesus? She actually has the audacity to ask Jesus, don't you care that there is so much to do and she's not with me helping at all? She demands that Jesus tell Mary to help her. And I mean, Mary is talking to the creator of the universe, aggressively demanding that he take charge and force Mary to work harder. And how does Jesus respond? Martha, Martha. Now, you just know Martha's in a good talk when Jesus says her name not once, but twice. You know, it's like when you're a kid and your parents uh, use your first and your middle name. You know what I'm talking about? When my mom would yell from, from downstairs and she'd be like, David Bruce. Yes, my middle name is Bruce. David Bruce, get down here. Like I knew it was about to go down, okay? Um, but in this case, Jesus isn't talking to Martha out of anger or frustration. It was gentleness and kindness where he cries out, Martha, Martha. You can feel his compassion You are worried and upset about many things, but, and this is a big but, few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. If you have your Bible underlined, what is better? That is the line of the night, and it will not be taken away from her. Man, what a a mic drop moment. Jesus leaves no room for misinterpretation. Mary has chosen what is better, and it won't be taken away from her. That's it. There's no, yeah, but, or, well, except for, so no, no, no. Mary chose to sit and learn from Jesus. That's it. In other words, Jesus explains to Martha in the kindest way that though your heart may be in the right place, running around and staying busy, even if it's for Jesus, is less important than just being with Jesus. Uh, as I was preparing this sermon, I, I just, I couldn't help but think, um, this is a strange story to include in scripture. Like it doesn't feel as significant as Jesus healing the sick or raising the dead or challenging the hypocritical religious leaders and stuff like that, but it's, it's still in here. So why is that? Well, here's what I know. The author of this book, Luke, was a physician. He was a doctor and doctors are extremely thorough people. They, they know that the details matter because in the case of an illness, one small, deal could be, one small detail could be the answer to all the medical issues someone is facing. So for Dr. Luke to include this five-verse small story in the canon of Scripture, it tells me just how important it is to understand who Jesus is because Luke knew this little detail that Mary has chosen what is better could change someone's life, that it could be the answer that, that the reader of this letter needs. The details matter. So where do we go from here? What can we learn from this interaction? How can we take this medicine that Dr. Luke is, is providing here? Well, let's go back to my, my central premise tonight that the most important thing about you is not what you will do, but who you will be. And when I say who you will be, I'm referring, referring first and foremost to your core identity. Like, who are you really? At your very core, when you meet someone for the first time, in your mind, what's the first thing you want them to know about you? 
Is it your, your, your 4.0 GPA, your, your, uh, your job? Is it your family? Is it the person you're dating? Is it the future thing you're going to be doing? Is it your athletic success? Now, I've shared bits and pieces of my testimony here. And, and I've mentioned in college, I had, a, I had this identity crisis where I was, I was so busy doing the things that I thought I was supposed to do. But in the process of doing the what, I neglected the who. And who I had become was far from who I wanted to be. And so at the time, I was playing on the soccer team and I was doing fairly well. But God was gripping my heart. And, and I was starting to ask the question, why am I here? Not like existentially, but like specifically, like why is David House Connect here? What is my calling? What is my purpose on this planet? And, and so for the first time in my whole life, I was considering quitting sports to focus on my spiritual health and doing ministry in a local church, but it felt so risky. It felt so dangerous because I didn't know what that would look like. I didn't know what my life would be like without this, this idol in my life until the moment when I was praying God revealed to me that I had wrapped my identity around all the wrong things. I was so busy doing the wrong things because I knew that if I met someone new at this stage of my life as a freshman in college, if I met someone new, I would make sure that they knew that and they met David the, the athlete way before they met David the disciple of Jesus. I wanted them to know this piece of me before they knew this piece. And that's when my heart broke and I had to make some significant changes in my life because I knew that's not who I wanted to be. Now, when you look back in this scripture, it specifically says that Martha was distracted. And I think distracted is such an important word because Dr. Luke here wouldn't haphazardly include words that don't communicate the tone of the situation. That Martha's key weakness is that she was distracted by the things that she thought were urgent, so she missed the most important option in the moment. So I think it's important here that we all acknowledge that we're a little bit more like Martha than we'd like to admit. And here's where we have our first takeaway tonight, that don't let what's urgent in your life distract you from what's most important. Don't let the urgent replace the important. Martha chose urgent over important, so Jesus had to gently remind her of God's priorities that in the end, our Father in heaven just wants to spend more time with you. See, this concept, I understand so much better now that I'm a father myself. There are moments when I come home from work and I walk in the door and my kids, they're age three and one, just scream in joy to see me just because I'm their dad. And it just melts my heart. There's no joy like it. And we'll sit and we'll eat dinner together and then we'll start playing with their toys or play Tickle Monster or whatever. And I'll look around the house and I'll see we just made a giant mess. Uh, there's toys, there's stuffed animals, sippy cups, every one giant mess. Now, in that moment, I can stop and say, hey, hey, Micah, my three-year-old, is like, hey, bud, we got we to gotta stop playing. We got to clean this up. There's work to do. Let's go. Come on. I could stop and do that. Or I can let him ride my back like I'm a horse until he just squeals with joy. Now, spoiler alert, I'm going to choose option number two every single time. It doesn't mean that there's not still work to do. And at some point, that mess is going to get cleaned up. But I will never trade time with my kids for something they can do for me. I love them so much. I love my time with them more than what they can do for me. And if that's how I feel as an imperfect, flawed human father, how much more do you think your perfect heavenly father feels about you? Like he cares so much about being with you more so than what you can do for him. 
He didn't send his son Jesus to die on the cross for us so we would be distracted by busyness and to-do lists all day long. Jesus died so we would be forgiven. And if we choose to follow him, we'll spend eternity in the presence of the Father. How sweet is that? John Mark Comer is a pastor in Portland. He writes in this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, great book. He says this, not only does hurry keep us from the love, joy, and peace of the kingdom of God, the very core of what all human beings crave, but it also keeps us from God himself simply by stealing our attention. And with hurry, we always lose more than we gain. We, for every kind of reason, good and bad, are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. Spiritual oblivion. That doesn't sound like a place I want to live and I don't think you want to either. So why do we keep getting distracted and busy and neglecting the who in favor of the what? Well, I think it starts when we let the urgent take over the important. Andy Stanley says, the things I get distracted by are never as important as the thing I get distracted from. So let's get practical. If that's true, we never need to choose the immediate over the ultimate. Don't choose the immediate over the ultimate. Some examples of this. Sunday morning, immediately you'd rather sleep in than go to church. I've been there. In college, we called it meeting with Pastor Pillow at Bedside Baptist. I get it, right? Like, let's hang. Let's get some sleep. I'm tired. Okay, I get it. But when you, when you always choose the immediate comfort over the ultimate purpose, you're missing out on a key piece that God wants you involved in the life of a local church. The local church of Lexington needs college students like you to be active participants so we can learn from each other and grow together. Um, when you choose to spend all night gaming instead of going to your core group, you're missing out on some of God's greater purpose because of the immediate desire, the comfort level. And this, this might sound super legalistic, but the point is there are things that help us stay in the presence of Jesus. And he beckons us, he invites us to sit in front of him and learn from him. And so many times we choose the immediate over the ultimate. Secondly, we never need to choose what we want now over what we value most. Um, like the affection of a girlfriend or a boyfriend over the perfect love of Jesus or, or the problem of pornography. Pornography, it, instead of in leaning into legitimate community and relationships with other believers, uh, we, we look at porn and we discover that there's a lie, that porn lies and tells you that you'll discover intimacy and, and what you need right now is intimacy and all you find is emptiness. And we buy into this lie and we choose what we want now over what we value most. And we get stuck in, stuck in this cycle. So how are you inviting community to, to help you in this struggle so that, so that you can spend more time in the presence of Jesus and not buying into the lies of the enemy? The third thing, we never need to choose the optional over the essential. Now, listen, in college, you'll never lack options for your social calendar. Like you're going to always have one more opportunity and you're inevitably going to say yes to too much. But at some point, you're going to need to learn to say no to good things so you can say yes to God's best things for you. And it's hard because you look at your, your options and you might even look in the summer and you're like, oh my gosh, there's like a million opportunities, jobs, internships. What am I supposed to do? And, and Jesus says, hey, hey, what's essential? What's essential? Spend time with me. What's going to allow you to spend more time with me? Do that thing. Say no to some good things so you can say yes to God's best things. You know, I've had uh, a lot of great mentors in my life, and I've taken something unique away from each of them in different seasons. And as I thought about this sermon tonight, I remembered two things that two of my mentors coached me that I want to share with you. An old professor of mine in college 
Uh, we'd meet in his house, and, and he'd invite me in his living room. We'd drink coffee and read A.W. Tozer books. And, and I just remember he always said this thing. He said, hey, David, remember, we're human beings, not human doings. And it, it sounds kind of cheesy, but I haven't forgotten it like 13 years later. Like he loved to remind me that God's core design for me involved being a part of God's family, not doing stuff for him. Now, in, in the Garden of Eden, like I said, God designed us to work the land, that there was this beautiful peace in, in working the land and then being in God's presence. And so you see Adam and Eve doing that. And sin disrupted, but did not cancel God's design for us. He still wants us to be more than we do. Human beings, not human doings. And then the second thing, another old mentor of mine, um, he trained me in ministry. He would pray with me and specifically ask the Lord to never let our influence outgrow our character. I love this. I still pray this prayer. In a world of people working hard to become influencers, in the kingdom of God, we pursue health, not influence. Because when we pursue health, we have healthy influence on the, on the world. And how do we get healthy? We take the road of Mary, the one who sat at the feet of Jesus in his presence and just soaked up everything about his character. And we slow down and we hop off the rat race and we say no to busyness and we say yes to Jesus. And remember, it's Jesus who said, Mark 8, 36, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? If you're, uh, if you're looking for some more resources to help with this, there's a couple books I'd love to recommend. Um, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Pete Scazzaro, great resource, great book. The Ruthless Elimination of a Hurry, John Mark Comer. Um, you can find both these books back at the, uh, the bookstore at CSF in the, in the Lewis House. So go check those out. But as I close tonight, guys, I just want to give one last challenge. Nine times out of 10, when I ask a college student how they're doing, they say, busy, right? We're all, we all are guilty of it. Busy, I'm so busy, so much stuff. And honestly, I get it. This is where I struggle too. You know, I'm a, a father of two kids under three. I have a house that needs cleaning and fixing, a couple dogs who need attention, a job, a great job, but a busy job where I'm always doing something, friendships that need maintaining, family that I need to stay in touch with, and so forth. But here's the reality, guys. We make time for the things we prioritize. We do. You're not really that busy. You just choose what to stay busy with. Sometimes it feels like opening our Bible is just, oh, I don't know. Do I have time? Do I have time for core group? Do I have time for all these things? You have time if it's a priority. And I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just trying to encourage you that Jesus wants to spend time with you. And you've got opportunities to do that. So say yes to Jesus. Resist the temptation to follow Martha. I, I, we don't know, but I, I think Martha got it that day. That doing stuff for Jesus is not as important as just being with Jesus. So let's flip that script. Let's value the who over the what. Let's be people of Jesus who resist the distractions that tore Martha away. Let's fit, sit at the feet of Jesus and let him love us. You know, I, I think about, um, for those of you, especially the seniors in the room, like you're looking at job options or internship options. And, and I've talked to several of you who are like, I don't know what to do. Here's one option, plan A, I could do this. Or plan B, I could do this. I don't know what to do. What, what should I do? And, and we think of it as like, like God's will is like this, this perfect line. And if we don't follow this like perfect line and these dots along the way, like we're going to be outside of God's will. But I think God's will is a little bit wider than that. And he gives us a lot of opportunities to choose as long as we stay within a certain you know, parameter that, to choose God's will uh, God's path for us. Um, but one thing I know, if you're struggling with that decision and there's several options on the table, choose the thing that's going to keep you closer to the feet of Jesus. 
you're never going to regret that decision. Choose the path. Choose the option that's just going to keep you a little bit closer to Jesus. Because ultimately, guys, your big why, why you're here on this planet, is to, to be a son or a daughter of the Father of Heaven, to, to follow Jesus, to be closer to him and let him love you. Like I said, I love that we sang that song, Lean Back Into the Loving Arms of the Father. I, I was thinking that before I came up here, I was sitting in the back. I was like, man, that's why we worship every week, right? When we come to this place and like you just, you, you're able to stand and sing with the band. It's this moment where I feel like we all exhale and we just go, life is busy, life is crazy. But for these next few moments, I can worship, I can be at the throne of Jesus no matter what I'm struggling with, no matter what sin I, I have uh, in my life. Like I can bring that to the Father and just be with him. And, and he offers this free grace and this mercy. And I can just sit in the presence of Jesus who loved me, who died on the cross for me. And I'm going to sing out God's praises. And maybe I don't feel like it right now, but I want to be that way. So I'm going I'm to sing it until I feel that it's true in my life. And that's why I love worshiping with this community right here. And we're going to jump back into some worship right here. And I just want to challenge you guys. Man, embrace this time. Use this time to just sit at the feet of Jesus. And if you're struggling, guys, we've got an awesome prayer team over here. They would love to pray with you um, in these next few moments and just help you identify what's keeping you away from the presence of Jesus. What are your Martha tendencies that are pulling you away from just being with Jesus and just help you figure that path out. But um, let's go to the Father right now and let's just pray as we continue tonight. Jesus, thanks for being here tonight. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for um, just your loving kindness that we just sang about. God, we are are busy people. We like to fill up our calendars, our schedules with a million uh, different options, Lord. But but we know there is no greater option than just being with you. So Lord, tonight I pray that we would, if there are idols in our lives that we need to, to leave at the foot of the altar and just submit to you, Lord, that we would do so that we would never replace um, a gift with the giver of the gift, Lord, that we would never place anything on your throne except for you. God, I know I personally have so many tendencies in my heart to be more like Martha, to stay busy, to do all the preparations and miss out on the presence of Jesus. But it is the presence of Jesus that brings wholeness, that brings hope, that brings joy. And we need more hope and joy tonight, Jesus. So help us. Help us, help our distracted souls, help our busy souls slow down, take a deep breath, sit at the feet of Jesus and let you love us. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, welcome back. Um, I have Landon and Lexis here. Lexis is our sweet staff guest this week, and we are so excited to have her here just talk about this week's sermon, which, Lexis, just tell us about how great it was. Oh my gosh, like y'all, I was in the back row sitting with some of the girls in my core group, and the whole entire time we were like, what? <laughs> this is crazy. And when he was making his Jake Peralta joke, he was going, cool, 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 cool. And he said, you know, like Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, we lost our ever-loving minds in the back row. <laughs> he is just like so relevant. I love it. Yeah, it was so good. And then all the guys in the back row are just like, you know, 
or maybe closer to the front, but are hearing like the Jeffrey Jordan story and they're like, yeah. oh my gosh, Michael Jordan. So he's like, he's parking everybody's ears, ears up just so he can <laughs> hit us with some uh, some take-homes later on. Yeah, he was telling that story and Amber uh, was sitting next to me and she goes, he is on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> I just kept hearing Paige in the back saying, that's so good. Every single time <laughs> that David uh, hit some points, but let's just hit some of the big points. What, uh, I don't know, what kind of jumped out to you all from David's message? I mean, so there's one thing he said that I was like, oh, shoot. So he said um, that God cares so much more about being with us than what we do for him. And I just thought, so like I've always heard like we need to be with God, not doing things for God or about God. And so like I've always just like had that, like been trying to be intentional about having that heart posture of like, okay, am I doing this with God or am I just trying to do it for him? Especially being someone who works in ministry. But I've never just had that like additional thing put into it also about how God cares so much more about us being with him. Like it's not just us wanting to be with him. He wants to be with us. He just doesn't want us to do things for him. And so that just like little extra nugget in that was just so sweet. And I was sitting in my my seat and I was like, that is just the most touching thing I could have heard right now. <laughs> you know, it's so sweet. Yeah. And David was talking about like his, um, his kids and how much he loves being with them. And I thought about my own dad and like how much time I love spending time with my dad and just like getting to hang out and and spend quality time with him. No phones. Like, you know, I love spending time with my dad. And so I was just thinking about that with like my heavenly father, like thinking, wow, if that's how I feel about my dad, then that's also how I should feel about my heavenly Mm -hmm. father too, is I just love getting to spend time with him and wasting time and not worrying about what's coming next or do I need to hurry up and do this or do that? But no, I'm just going to be here and we're just going to enjoy our time together. Which is so sweet that lean back was a part of the worship set list. Yes, know? yes, yes. It was so good. Yeah, and I think that like, yeah, just that idea that like our father really does want to be with us. I think that we can, I don't know whether it's the enemy or just us getting in our own heads, we can convince ourselves that like he doesn't actually, I don't know, that we have to be, uh, you know, doing the things for him to even want to like have us in his presence when really he just like wants us as we are. Um And like, that's like how he forms us, not by us just like trying to do a bunch of stuff on our own. Yeah, I'm like the classic Martha and I've had to learn so much to be a Mary because I think I have like this heart of desire to sit before the Lord's feet, but I am just so easily distracted by all the things I should be doing for the Lord. And so I always just like love it when we hit on this story about Mary and Martha. And I think (laughs) David did like a good job of like even bringing like that unique spin to it. Um, And so... Yes, it's so sweet that the Lord wants to be with us. And so I think it's so important to think about this, like who is greater than what theme that he had going the whole time. So I just wanted to know like what you guys thought about that. Yeah, I think the thing that jumped out to me was like, when I am getting to know someone, especially like a college student, um, and I think this happens, you know, when college students are getting to know each other too, is like the first questions you're asking is like, where are you from? But like, what is your major? What are you planning to do? And like, we use that word, what, when we're asking about people a lot more than we use the word, like, who do, who are you? Or like, who do you want to be? Um, and maybe like that feels a little less surface level. So that's why we avoid it. But I just love that. Like it is the who that really defines us and not the what. Yeah. And he asked that question. He was like, what's the first thing that you want someone to know about you? And I was like, gosh, I don't even know what the first thing that I would want someone to know about me is. But I think that a lot of times what comes to the surface is like, 
um, you know, I'm on staff at CSF or I um, talk about my sister a lot. So I'm Delaney's sister. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I talk about her all the time. Or, um, you know, like I... I was a secondary English education major, so I get really nerdy about English things. Like, I think that those are the things that I think people probably find out about me first. But I was wondering, like, should it should it be more that I'm I'm known for loving Jesus first? Like, should that be the first thing that someone's able to see in me? And is it? I don't I don't know. You know? Yeah, I. So I'm in seminary. For all of you who don't even know what that is, it's basically you go to school to continue learning about God, I guess, and become like a pastor or just um, do a lot of vocational ministry. And so sometimes I even have to think like, is being someone who goes to seminary more important than being a disciple, you know? And so, and that's like an even more clear distinction because like it's so clearly about God and I'm like taking theology courses. I'm learning Greek right now. Like it's so many things that I'm doing that are about God, but like, am I doing it with Him? And like allowing him to do it with me because he wants to, which is so sweet. And I also just loved, um, just like in that paradigm of like who and what, I love that David didn't go all the way to the who and still ignore the what, because I think we often live in extremes. We're either on this side or on where we're on this side. And so we're on this what side instead of this who side. So then we brush over to this who side because we should care about whose we are, but then we forget about what we do because that is still also important. And so, um, even just like, do you guys have any thoughts of like what even that balance is in your life? Yeah, I feel like even personally right now, um, I made a little Instagram post about this this past weekend. <laughs> um, we just started a fast with some of the people um, at CSF who are going through 30-day journey, which is just like a time of getting closer to the Lord in prayer. Um, and so we're all fasting from social media right now. And I, as I was walking away from social media, I feel like the biggest thing that the Lord is teaching me right now is learning to live in the gray space. And so um, there's a lot of things that we think are black and white, and the Lord wants to say, well, it's actually both and. Um, and I remember even a couple of years ago during the summer, Fred Turner came and spoke at our summer synergy, and he talked about how we have a both and God. And a lot of times we want to say, well, God is graceful, but he— But then other people are like, well, God is truthful. And it's like, no, God is grace and truth. And so we have to live in the balance. And sometimes it doesn't feel great to live in the balance. Like it feels like you're constantly tipping toward one way or constantly tipping toward the other. And so then it feels really uncomfortable. But I think that that's where the Lord wants us to live is in the uncomfortableness of the grayness. Yeah. And like who we are and what we do aren't exclusively independent either. Yeah. Like, what we do is a direct outflowing of who we are. And so I think that's really important. And I loved how practical David got about um, looking for summer internships or looking for jobs. And like, it's so easy to play the comparison game there and say like, oh, this person's doing this thing and I'm only doing this thing um, or that kind of thing. But I think that, (laughs) and understand, I loved how he talked about how it isn't like, we think about God's will such a straight path. That was such a thing that I struggled with coming out of college is like, what is the thing that God wants me to do? Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, God cares what I'm doing, but he cares a lot more about who I am. Uh, I think even David said, like, you know, when, you, when you're faced with those two options, it's like, what's going to place me, you know, at the feet of Jesus? And it's just going to, you know, push me closer to Jesus because that's never going to be the wrong thing. Um, and so I think realizing that, like, um, God wants our heart to be, like, you know, for who we are and wanting to be his and being known as his and then letting what we do be an outpouring of that and just anything that we can do to get closer to him. And that can look a lot of different ways, but that God does give us some freedom in the what, as long as we're being faithful to the who. 
this is slightly a side note, but just something you said just like spark, sparked a thought in my head. And I haven't thought about it enough, so maybe I'm wrong. But you just talked about comparison. And so I'm just like wondering if comparison is like a pretty good identifier of if we are living into what we are instead of who we are. So like if we are comparing ourselves to other, do we care more about what we are instead of whose we are? Does that make sense? Ow, that <laughs> hurts, Rachel. Um, yeah, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. I think that a lot of times you get so caught up in that comparison game that all of a sudden you find yourself on this spiral that you never thought you'd be on. And you all of, all of a sudden think that you're like not good enough or that you're not um, like worthy enough of being where you are because you're thinking about how the other person's doing something better. And so then really— that is what your focus is, is mm-hmm. is what am I doing to make sure that I'm worthy enough to be in the Lord's presence or worthy enough to have this job or this position or this title, not I'm a child of God and I'm securing my identity. And so everything mm-hmm. that comes out of that is what flows out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think like the what that we can get lost in is not necessarily just, you know, what am I going to do after college or what am I studying? But you know, David also really had thought on just like distraction culture and just the other what's that we can get lost in that keep us from being faithful to like who it is. And so he said like the three things he was like, don't choose the immediate comfort over the ultimate purpose. Don't choose what we need now over what we need most. Uh, and don't choose the optional over the essential. Uh, and just talked about how we live in such a world of distraction um, where we just chase the the momentary pleasures um, for you know, we'll neglecting the, you know, the things that are ultimate and the things that are true and the things of God. Um, what did y'all think of kind of those um, things when he hit on that? Repeat them. Okay, here we go. Uh, don't choose the immediate comfort over the ultimate purpose. Um, don't choose what we need now over what we need most. And don't choose the optional over the essential. I'm like such a in the moment person. <laughs> like even when it comes to fasting, I'm like, like I commit to it. And then I'm like, but I do do just want to eat something right now. <laughs> you know, I'm such an immediate, like, I think the immediate one spoke the most to me. And I'm like, dang, <laughs> it's like hard. Like if I say I'm going to do something, but I just like, am so like in a moment where I just want it so bad. It's hard for me to just like prevail through that. You know, that's. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I, bringing back the social media fast again, like we're only five days into this. And one of the girls who's going through 30 day journey sent a message this morning and was like, anyone else shocked? It's only been five days. <laughs> and I didn't so, see that. <laughs> and someone sent a gif and said, it feels like it's been 84 years. <laughs> and so like, it is just so much easier to take that impulse um, to look at your phone. Like a lot of us have been looking at our um, screen time on the mm-hmm. settings in the in the Apple phone settings thing. Um, and if you open it up, you can look and see how many pickups per day, how many times you've picked up your phone. And I looked at my pickups that I had on Sunday before mm-hmm. I had moved into this fast, and it was the exact same amount of pickups that I had on <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> so like Sunday and Tuesday, one I had social media, one I didn't have social mm-hmm. media, but the exact same amount of pickups because of just the impulse of, mm-hmm. oh, I got to look, but there's nothing to look at. So 
Yeah. So I'm doing, I'm with the 30 day thing too. And I don't really have social media in the first place. It's not because I'm holier than now. I just like, (laughs) don't care enough. Like I just, like I have Instagram, but I just don't think, oh, I should put this on Instagram. Like it's just not on the forefront of my mind. I'm just really bad at it. Um, And so I decided to put, also put my phone on do not disturb so that I'm not like constantly distracted by the texts and stuff I'm getting. But I'm pretty, like, I need to look at it and see if I have the same number of pickups because I keep looking, picking up my phone to see if I did get one, yeah. you know? Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if I have even more because I'm checking to see if I got one. Yeah, like, did I, I miss didn't it? Know, yeah, you know? Did, did, I, did I miss it? Did, I, did it not come through? Or, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and I think that when we're not distracted and when we are focused on, like, the, you know, what's right in front of us and the ultimate and the important and not the, you know, fleeting and the distractions, then we're able to just, like, move a lot slower and I think that's where God can connect uh, with us a lot better. And we can listen to his voice and let him even speak over us again and again, like who we are, because we need to remind it of that. Um, but when we're chasing that in so many different what's, uh, I feel like the who can get lost in that. Yeah, no, and I, I, I was telling someone this story about on Tuesday, one of my roommates had her core group over for dinner. And it was before my core group that was like later on that night. And so I came home and... I made myself dinner, so it was just me and my soup, and I sat on the floor in my room because I was, like, giving them time to hang out out in the, like, common space, and as I was sitting in my room, I was like, what does one do when you <laughs> eat your dinner by yourself? I was like— Without social yeah, media. Yeah, without social media and no Netflix or whatever, um, and so I sat there, and I was like— Hmm. So I started eating and then all of a sudden I got so sick and my head was hurting so badly. And I realized that under the surface, I had had a migraine for about an hour and I hadn't realized it because I had just been pushing it aside and pushing it aside because I'd been busy. And so my body was all of a sudden like, oh, so you're going to listen to me now. Here, let me tell you, you do have a migraine. (laughs) And so I ended up taking my soup out, putting it into the fridge and taking a nap and some ibuprofen. And then I woke up like 30 minutes later and then I was having my core group and I was fine the rest of the night and I ate my dinner during core group and everything. But if I hadn't stopped for that one moment, hadn't been so distracted, I would have had the worst migraine. It would have intensified and intensified. And then in the middle of my core group that night, I would have been dying and couldn't wait for my girls to leave. But instead I had a great conversation with my core group and got to enjoy it. It was awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so those are some of the some of the highlights, some of the things that stood out um, to us from the message. Um, but getting practical and moving into just like takeaways um, for students as they go into the rest of their weeks, uh, I think one of the things that really jumped out to me that it, and you know David even said it was cheesy, but like that we're human beings and not human doings. And I think so much of the theme of this message was learning how to be with God. Um, instead of do for God. So um, what's maybe one thing for you all just practically that you would recommend, maybe it's been fruitful in your own life or they recommend to students about um, how to act, what that actually looks like um, to prioritize being overdoing. That's good. Um, I think this is just going to be such a classic answer and I'm so sorry, but I'm about to say prayer because like, <laughs> obviously our response to everything should be prayer. So I'm sorry if that's not like, like, I don't know, trendy enough. <laughs> I don't know. But the first thing I thought in my head was like, I think we really need to be in prayerful reflection over our lives. Um, and just even seeing like, what are our treasures? What are our hearts and our, like our heart desires and all that? Because um, as we were thinking, I was realizing like, so many of the things that could be the what for us could be good things. 
Um, I even am thinking about Romans that we've been talking about in our groups um, that like even thinking about the law, like the law was good, but the Pharisees were making what they were the law. And so it's overdoing these things that are good. Um, So maybe for you, it's what am I? It's, oh, I'm a good friend. Being a good friend is so godly if it is centered in being like a daughter or son of God and then loving others through that. And so I just think being prayerfully reflective of like even the good things in our lives that we're like putting above being with God is really essential in response to this message. Yeah, um, kind of going off of that a little bit, but I don't know if anyone else can relate, but I think that I will never be the person who is rushing around getting all the things ready and cleaning for Jesus. I don't really think that that's the whole thing that I'll ever fall into. But I think I'm an internal Martha where my thoughts will go a million miles a minute. I'm spiraling. I am thinking about all these things. Um, And so then that's what gets me distracted um, from the Lord in front of me. And so one of the things that I started doing a couple of years ago when I was in college was um, I would sit for two minutes in silence. I would say, Alexa, set a timer for two minutes. And then I would have to sit in the silence and try and create a clear in my brain. So like things would come into my brain and I'd be like, that's just going to sit on the side for right now. I'm not going to think about that. And I'm going to get clear and I want the Lord to speak to me. I don't want me to be speaking at Him. I want Him Mm -hmm. to speak to me. And so I would just sit for two minutes. And y'all, it feels like an eternity sometimes. Sometimes it feels like it's like no time at all, but sometimes it's an eternity. And so then I would sit in two minutes of silence at the beginning of my time with the Lord. Then I would spend all this time with Him. It'd be so sweet. And at the end, I would say, Alexa, set another timer for two minutes. Mm -hmm. And I would sit in two minutes of silence again. And sometimes I would be like, "Mm, I'm not ready to leave this time yet. And so then I'd have to sit for a little bit longer or I need to like, journal something out before I could leave um, because the Lord was like, whoa, you said we were done, but I have some more things to say. Um, (laughs) I want to speak to you. Um, And so just having those like little two minutes of forced silence helped me to, to listen before I start talking at God. Yeah. I think something that's been helpful for me is um, even just like going on like prayer walks and just, I think that something about walking with an intentionality towards prayer, it really does feel like in some ways I'm just like walking with God uh, and I'm just creating some space to really be with him and don't feel like I have to do a ton. Like I don't like write down in my journal. I'm not like necessarily like reading scripture, um, but he is really just like walking with me and it even just creates that space, that extended space to say like, Jesus say what you will. And it may not come in the first five minutes. Uh, It may take some time. And I think that um, another thing that's helpful for me is even just having like, um, just a little like short prayer in my pocket. Like I think that sometimes when I uh, encounter moments where um, I'm in a conversation or I'm in a meeting or something like that, or, you know, for, for you all, maybe it's like you're in class or something and you just kind of feel like you need to recenter yourself. Uh, I just find myself just saying something like, come Lord Jesus, come or whatever that might look like for you, but something to just kind of recenter you of like, okay, I am with God in this moment. Um, that even recenters you when it's so easy to get lost in the what of like what's happening in your day and the to do. So just say like, at the end of the day, like I am a child of God and that's what defines me ultimately. Um, Just this might be a little aside, but just something you said reminded me of this. So in the beginning of our groups this semester, we talked about that She Streams a Living Water book and the contemplative tradition um, just like really focuses on this like with God. 
And whenever I read that book, um, the guy that was leading this group, book group that um, I was in, he was just talking about like, we can just be with God. Like he doesn't have to tell us anything. We don't have to tell him anything. We can just like be with God. And so I'm. he challenged us to just like go for a walk and not like expect the Lord to say anything to us, not even talk to him. Just like go on a walk as if you're just like walking side by side with the Lord, you know? And so like, I also think that's like a really cool application that we could go forward with just like be with him. There, like nothing has to happen to be with someone. Yeah. Yeah. And you can make it so low pressure too. Um, even if you're trying to listen to God. Um, so like there's times we want to be with God and just like walk with him and not say anything. Cause you know, your best friends, you can sit in comfortable silence with them. Oh, I love that. And yeah. it's not about like what you accomplished with your friends. It's like, right. I just spent quality time with them. Yeah. And it was just worth it because it was me spending time with them. But there's also some cool ways that you can ex- like, practice listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, I went on a walk the other day and I just said, Holy Spirit, I only want to do what you want me to do on this walk. And so I'm just going to walk. And so I would be walking. I'd be like, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And I just hear walk. So I'd, I'd keep walking. And then there was like one point where I was like, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And he was like, sit. And I was like, oh, there's a bench right up there. I'll sit right there. And so I sat. And then I was like, man, I really wish I had my journal. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go grab it out of your car. So I did. And it was just like so low pressure. It's like, even if you mess that up, like maybe you didn't hear the Holy Spirit correctly. It's like the worst you did was go get your journal out of your car, you know? <laughs> sure. And I think that like, that's, yeah, that's so interesting because I think that so often I find myself approaching my time with God thinking, okay, what do, what do I need to accomplish? What are the things that I want to get out of this? And I think I do that with like almost every other thing in my life. It's like, you know, what am I going to get out of, um, you know, my, I don't know, whatever I'm doing, we are like, what is like the purpose of it? And I think that um, letting God define the purpose when we come in, just kind of open-ended and say, okay, let's just spend Ooh, some time together instead good. of coming in of like, I want to define what this time is going to be, mm-hmm. I think really allows him to move. And I don't know, it's good. Guys, this was so good. I really enjoyed, I think it was even just like enriching for me to just sit here and talk about the sermon. And so just like from this, I encourage you all to like continue having conversations about the sermons after you hear them, like respond in prayer and respond in like talking with one another about it and like what it means to like walk with one another forward after you hear from the Lord, you know? And so um, we just want to thank you all for listening and we'll see you guys next week.